Welcome to this episode of the Limitation is a Mirage podcast. On this episode I have two guests. It's Lily and Jonam from Love with Intelligence. They are behavioural profilers who focus mostly on dating. So within this podcast we're going to talk about the magical world of dating, online dating, face-to-face dating, how it's changed over the years and what advice that they would give out to people who are looking to start dating. We talk about how friends can become lovers and lovers can become friends and just anything related to dating that you can think of, we actually will approach in this podcast. So please feel free to reach out to any of us if you have any questions. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Have a great day and I'll see you soon. Welcome to this episode of the Limitation is a Mirage podcast. On this episode, I have Lily and Jonam, who are behavioral profilers who specialize in dating. So would you like to give a brief introduction as to who you are so everybody knows a bit more about you before we get into the conversation? Yeah, fantastic. So my name's Lily. I'm obviously a behavior profile specializing in dating and relationships. I think the pair of us have got a background in hypnotherapy, um, NLP, behavioral profiling. Uh, We've also partnered up in business with a guy called Chase Hughes, who's also a world leader in behavioral profiling. Yeah, cool. yeah, we've been into this world of psychological just intrigue of like, well, what's going on behind the curtain of human behavior and like, what's the thoughts and what's going on behind them? So it's, yeah, seeing behind that mask and uh, getting to know each other, getting to know people better so you can have more success in dating, like healthier, more successful, more safe relationships. So it's fascinating. Brilliant. That's how um, I got introduced to you through some of the stuff Ben was doing, so our friend Ben Corral. And just the way you described it there, that you want people to have like real connection, basically, is whereas mm-hmm. in this day and age, we're very good at like even this connection is as real as most people get now with people with Facebook and social media. But before we get into all that stuff, I suppose that we, if we take it right back, because there's going to be some people that hear behavioral profilers and go, what, what is that? So in a nutshell, like it's a massive subject, but as dumbed down sounds bad, but as easy to explain as possible, what is a behavioral profiler? So behavioral profiling is based on seeing all of the communication a person is giving you. Over two thirds of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tiny minority is the words we say. The rest is all nonverbal. It's how we say it. The body's communicating honestly the entire time. And most of the time we we miss it because we're maybe not even paying attention to the words people say, never mind what they're showing us because we're too distracted by what's inside our heads. So the ability to focus and see everything in front of you that the other person's presenting to you and everything they're communicating to you so you can read the communication from their behavior and build a profile from there. Yeah, I love saying the words, you know, it's, it's given people the opportunity to see the truth. Because I think, yeah, because I think with dating, especially, we're so keen to put our, you know, best foot forward. And it's not, it's not us, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone has a little quirks. So when we can take the, the mask away and allow people to actually see the truth in that person, it means that you're actually opening them up to actually communicate in a deeper way, in a deeper level. Because I think a lot of 
relationships nowadays are quite superficial. You know, you think of Tinder, you're swiping. <laughs> yeah. And we're basing that first. We're prioritizing that first before we even prioritize that connection with that person. You have said mask a few times. Do you believe that people wear a mask in general in public and everywhere? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Think about it. If you, as soon as you change your environment, you know, you're going to be different with your family. You're going to be different with your friends. You're going to be different in your work environment. So it's, it's more about the way that we adapt our personality in situations and dating. We're waiting to see if that person's actually safe to be with. We're not going to be completely vulnerable. We're not going to be completely open with a stranger. <laughs> so we're only allowing yeah. them to see what we want them to see. So it's kind of giving them the tools to actually cut through that and allowing that open communication straight off the bat. Yeah, and that isn't to say that all masks are deceptive in mm -hmm. terms of like dishonesty or malicious or like I'm trying to mislead you or make you think something that's not necessarily true. It's an instinctive thing that we all do, right? There's the social conformity thing, there's politeness, there's the cultural rules around us that okay don't tell this kind of joke around this kind of person <laughs> and yeah. uh, around your best friend you might do so there are these unwritten unspoken social laws that we're we're playing by just to get through life and so in a relationship then this is the area where a lot of people can you know they, they throw, throw up a lot of walls maybe they've been hurt in the past maybe they're worried and shy about what the other person might think of them mm. Maybe there's social pressure on, well, you know, you got to, you got to settle down soon, you know. So it's, it's yeah. quite a loaded area of life. And in that high stress situation, it's really easy to, to revert to that defensive strategy of throwing up walls, throwing up masks and acting how you think you're supposed to, which isn't sustainable. So like Lily says, cutting through that and getting just to the simple human truth of another person is really where it's at. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, because it's quite interesting when you talk about the dating situation, we've got two people with these masks and we almost refer it to almost like two actors, you know, yeah. two actors playing the role, interacting with each other to try and form a genuine connection from a place when they're not being themselves. <laughs> so I think that's where the main issue is, where it comes to, to dating for most people. I always find it free like strange the people i've been around that um like to date a lot and like have used things like tinder or when it mm. used to be you just meet people out in the pub and i would always say that like during the week why don't you actually try to be the person you pretend to be to win <laughs> these people over like another way you pretend to be super confident and you like your job and nature and all of the the bullshit that you talk about why don't you actually like try to live your life that way and then you'll not start not continually fail at relationships because you're attracting people that like the like the mask, I suppose, as you have put it. Do you think that the masks then come from a fear? Because in my experience with, with being around people and working with different people that rather than being really excited about a date, they're really worried about how much they're going to fuck the date up. So it sort yeah. of like ruins it already. So. <laughs> so do you think the mask is more from fear or like where does it come from? It's vulnerability. It's people being so afraid about being themselves, whether they're going to be rejected, abandoned, um, not accepted by the other person. 
So if they put this mask forward of what they think that, that this person would want and would accept and would you know be really happy with, then number one, if it's not their kind of personality they're putting forward, them themselves not getting rejected. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's almost like by putting that false person in front that's not really them, it's the best version of, you know, best version of them. If it gets rejected, it's not actually rejecting them for who they are. Yeah, you can't feel if you don't really try. That's the exactly. yeah. thing with people. Uh, like I used to ask guys whenever they would, whenever I first got into hypnosis, I did street hypnosis first. Nice. So uh, doing the street hypnosis and mentalism, guys would see me chat to groups of people and especially women and they'd be like, how do you do that? Teach me how to do that, how to like come across confident. I'd be like, just, I'm not a pickup artist, just go and talk, like just go and talk to people and get used to it. And then I'd be like, what's the worst thing that can happen? If you go and ask the girl, does she want a drink or a date? And she says, no, why do you care? Like she's saying no to how you look at that moment and how you approached her and what you said, not who you are as a person. So yeah. do you teach people how to overcome like the fear of just appro the fear of approaching people and chatting them? Because like it's easier now, I suppose, with like you don't have to approach, you just, I can't remember what direction you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's like one of those if you actually know how to form a great connection with someone it just takes the the stress and the worry and i think where people are afraid to actually connect with people it's just because they don't know how we're often afraid yeah. of what we don't know and i think it's just knowing actually how to get past that hey, you're okay, babes, and things like that, on those messages or, you know, the cheesy chat-up lines. It's like cutting through that crap, basically. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's the dating dance, right? And other species, yes. they have it very clear. Uh, we, we live in the countryside here, so you see birds doing all this mad stuff, and there's like, in nature, it's very clear, like, here's how to get a mate. In humans, it's, it's quite complicated, or we make it complicated. By all the kind of stories and narratives and expectations that we place on on top of it, you know, squirrels don't run around thinking, you know, oh god, is my tail fluffy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, they just get on with it. Humans, we our our big nice brains kind of get in the way sometimes, mm. and a lot of it is where we we create these stories because we're trying to make sense of the world as we grow up. So you know, you go through your teenage years, you see that you know, first person you really like and you kind of try and start a conversation with them and they shoot you down in flames and all their friends laugh and whip you with willow branches and spit on you and stuff. <laughs> um, Are you speaking from experience or just an example that you've pulled out of? <laughs> I, I, I wish I was joking, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but, but so things like that, then in our heads, we're like, wow, this is painful. This is a painful area or this is, something where if I'm vulnerable or if I just shared the wrong aspect of myself, then I'll be judged and I'll be condemned and I'll be rejected. So it's better to do kind of a, a bait and switch thing and like build, build a wall here and sort of bait someone in with socially acceptable attractiveness traits. And then piece by piece, if you're honest, you want to show them <laughs> some more. Exactly, yeah. I can't do that because I'm not as cute as you, but. <laughs> <laughs> but then piece by piece well some guys they just spend their whole lives behind the walls and, and women too and then generally it's like well 
piece by piece, I'll show you more and more of who I really am. And hopefully who I really am and who you really are will be compatible after mm. our dating personas have established that they are compatible. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's like dating, but with extra steps, you know? In the olden days, you used to just have to dance in the corner and you'd go <laughs> and be like, will you go with my mate? Who's your mate? The one dancing. <laughs> like that was that was like the squirrel run around with its fluffy tail that was easy but uh, like you said as we get older and we try to make sense of the world our version of the world becomes very scary uh, especially just interacting with uh, with people do you think so something that what we are talking about since we're talking about dating whenever people do get the compatible stage and they they let their wall down do you notice that people then seem to stop dating their new partner and they just become an entity rather than like like I worked with a lot of couples in the past and I would say to them well when did you last date and they're like oh what do you mean and like did, when did you go on a date like when's the last time you went to the cinema and did the popcorn trick or whatever like had a bit of fun whatever you do at the cinema I don't know yeah. uh, but do you find that that's commonplace that people just it's like they try really hard and then it worked and they're like fuck it worked <laughs> <laughs> I know they don't know what to do anymore like a dog chasing a car so like have you any advice for people that, that are, whenever they get to me and maybe when they get to you as well, they're in like a rut at that stage. So mm -hmm. what's the advice for keeping the spark alive, keeping the dating, dating and onward? Yeah, it's literally really well studied. It's one of the biggest causes of relationship breakdown is that people stop dating each other. You know, especially when you get to the point where you, move in together and you are like a you're a social entity together and mm -hmm. so you're sharing your lives together so when you're dating you're sharing the nice bits of your life or you are part of the nice bits of each other's lives right you look forward yeah. to it and, and that's a great thing and when you move in together you're sharing all of your lives and life is a serious business it's you know there are challenges in life and there's the stress and there's freaking house moves and there's you know <laughs> pets and family members and all kinds of stuff so it's like life's a serious business and if we're not careful you can get into that just like colleagues or brothers and sisters in arms going through the battles of life thing and the romance doesn't thrive unless you make space for it and yeah. and this is not advice that originated with us it's, it's from psychological studies with thousands of couples it's make at least an hour every week to date each other and to yeah. make that space for like in the garden if you want a flower bed you've got to look after you've got to plant the flowers and water them and feed them and stuff and so it's making time for the romance and giving that the space and making time to have a practical conversation where look an hour a week we're just going to catch up and say what's going on in your life what challenges are you facing what challenges are we facing so like the admin's taken care of <laughs> Yeah. And then the romance is taken care of as well. So you're making space for the, you know, for the entity to work in alignment with itself. Yeah, it's just that it's that quality time over quantity. Because, you know, especially with, with COVID and um, lockdown, you know, you probably find a lot of couples are spending a lot of time, you know, together and getting un under each other's feet. But it's about actually saying, right, okay, what can we do together? How can we actually spend that quality time together and enjoy each other? You know, and it's like without distractions, you know, and just actually having that time to actually fully connect. I think one of um, the fun things that we've done before now is actually go through something called the 36 love questions. 
And if you're not familiar with this sort yeah, of um, <laughs> these questions, <laughs> so basically it's actually a scientific study that's taken place that there's these 36 questions that you go through that allows even two strangers to fall in love with each other effectively just through this art of conversation and the unique the uniqueness of that conversation as well and yeah it was quite interesting just taking ourselves through just things like that having those deep discussions having those yeah that, that those sort of vulnerable discussions as well yeah that's what the, if you just google 36 love questions mm. the first result that comes up will be that study and it's it's not even the art of conversation you don't even have to be good at conversation <laughs> no, it's like look here's a here's a question that we're going to discuss for the next five minutes buckle up and it takes you on a journey and the information you get is is powerful and it's it's like fleshing out the areas of life and the thoughts that maybe you've not thought of for a while so yeah it's the intimacy that's not just physical it's intimacy with the entire person and it's yeah. like well if you've lived together it can reach a point where it's like well I already know everything about them <laughs> and uh, so going through processes to, to to still stay curious and to go well I'm sh you know we're both growing we're complex people it's like well there's there's more to learn and keeping that sense of curiosity and adventure is vital yeah. they really help with that yeah I think you know when you have when you're able to have more of the vulnerable discussions and the chats and you know having that you know creating that intimacy in that relationship it also helps to navigate more difficult situations where if it's like oh, you know that thing that you do it really pisses me off can you stop <laughs> <laughs> you know it allows those sort of conversations as well because that's even really important yeah because otherwise if you let those sort of things simmer in the <clears throat> background you're going to create distance within that relationship so it's not just about having the, the fun conversations and creating that intimacy. It's having the, the tough discussions that a lot of people don't have to ensure that you grow as a couple rather than pull apart as a couple. So two things came up for me there. The first thing, whenever you mentioned the conversation you're sitting with the page, uh, I don't know what this says about what, how I feel about love and relationships and stuff, but I immediately had a, the scene from Monty Python where they were at the restaurant and the guy was like, here's some conversational starters for you. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what that says about me, but it's not about me. So let's move on. Uh, so, so before people Google it, what is the, what's your favorite question that was in the 36 that you went over? Oh, I actually, I, I can't think. They're so varied. Yeah. And they all go into very different areas so something basically it takes you on this emotional journey where you have like the highs and the lows through the questions so Try to think of a high if you're thinking of one there think of a high. we don't want to go too keep stalling go on keep going i'll, I'll get one you see your head drifting further away into it interesting element of it is that at the end of the questions, and this is going to sound really, really awkward, is that you actually um, sit down and stare in each other's eyes for four minutes. And it might sound something like a little bit weird, um, but actually just having that connection for that time um, it creates a deeper connection within that relationship, you know, especially when you've yeah. gone through things that are quite vulnerable. I was going to tell you that there was a, 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 an artist who did a, 
I don't understand art, especially this sort of art, where she sat in a chair and people had two minutes just to stare at her. And then they interviewed the people after just to, just since you were talking about the four minute stare. Yeah. I imagine, like she did it and then one of her exes just appeared and they hadn't, they had a horrible breakup and never spoke. I saw and that. Then that happened and after they were all like, that really cleared the air. But I can imagine, like you said, it would be awkward. I can imagine even like you are a strong couple, even for you, it was weird. So for like people that aren't as comfortable in their relationship would, that would probably put them off. I have to stare at you for two, fuck, I'm not doing that. I'm from the country, yeah. can't that. It actually releases, doesn't it release oxytocin into the brain as well whilst you're doing that? Yeah. So it's something, it's something to do with like the actual hormone and chemical levels in your brain that happens when you're actually doing that. I think we yeah. actually did that on our first date. Oh my gosh, you did? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so one of you had planned this, one of you had read it, it was like, <laughs> or this happened, was it like a movie? <laughs> Did it just? Did you just lock eyes and you were like, "Oh my gosh!" Well, we yeah. actually met through a hypnosis course. Yeah. So that was um, quite funny. You were already a pro, so you were showing off. Yeah, I was this cocky hypnotist. <laughs> Is there yeah. such a thing as a, a non-cocky yeah. hypnotist showing off in the room and it's like, stick your hand to here? <laughs> How do you know you're not hypnotized? Like what? Yeah, yeah, both of us are. Yeah. And he's like, just by that one moment, you both did it to each other. <laughs> quite clever. Uh, yeah. Since we got on to how you met, how did you meet? And then, like, were, were you dating uh, specialists before you met? Or how did that, so whenever you met, were you, did you know he's lying about that or she's lying about that or like? Yeah, we, well, I think I'd started off um, my business probably about, probably about a year yeah um uh, i was actually dating someone else when i met jane <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know it's called research it, um yeah. <laughs> turns out the other guy was you know when you're on the bus and you put your bag on the seat next to you to save a place for someone else it yeah was... like it's... you can't just say that you are so bad <laughs> part of me hopes he watches this i'm sorry bus man arm guy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you are so bad. Kind of romantic when you think about it. He like he sent someone to hold his place because he just wasn't ready for you yet. And when he was ready, he moved that man along or something. It was cosmically aligned, yeah. yeah. Cosmically aligned. Yeah. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think after we met, we just started talking loads. And we yeah, we were friends for a while. Yeah, we For did, about a year. Yeah, we were actually talking to each other about our own relationships and, you know, dating. Sabotaging each other? I, she sounds terrible. <laughs> Move her along. <laughs> yeah, and then it, like, I think it was a year, year after we met, we started getting into the behavioural profiling stuff. So we, when we actually started learning, well, you learned a lot of it before me. And then when I started learning it, I think it sort of brought us pretty close together, didn't it? <laughs> yeah well I mean, do you want to tell that story of the um yes how you got introduced oh to God. the behavioral because this is a really cool yeah how you got introduced to the behavioral profiling world because it was i think that's what highlighted the the need that led us to create oh, yeah like the courses we've made and everything so yeah so um thanks <laughs> just nicely pass the book right, on i sit down shut up no I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
so cut long story short I actually went through some like pretty toxic relationships one where I was stalked for a good five years and uh so you, you kind of get a feel of for someone who's you know not got the great intentions and kind of got that sort of lock-in targeted um I need to stalk you kind of energy about them and I was single I was going through tinder of all bloody dating apps and met this guy and started messaging and it was really weird I sort of just you know only after the first few messages you just know whether it's someone that you kind of want to meet or not and I just sort of binned this guy off I thought right okay no he's he's a bit weird okay I'm just gonna leave it and he started he messaged me the next day totally ignored it and then the following day I got 12 pink roses sent by into four somehow from just my name from my tinder profile he'd managed to find out where i lived and sent me flowers he was a good uh, stalker then like he was oh my gosh well the funny well thing practiced. is like, oh, it's, it's just mental like I, I was really freaked out my mum blessed her she's like oh so when are you gonna see him that's really sweet and the sad thing is that's what most people think mm. you know yeah. people think okay you've given me something this is actually a part of um, is it robert caldini's persuasion and influence if you give someone something they feel obliged to give something back and kind of knowing the type of person this person was to be able to stalk me like that, I knew this wasn't going to be one of those block <laughs> and it'll be over and done with because this yeah. guy knew where I lived. And at the time, I knew that Jonan was working with Chase Hughes, so he's the world leader in behavioral profiling. And I knew that I kind of needed help with this. I didn't want to be stalked for another five years. And, you know, it was a bit like, okay, if one of my clients goes through this as well, how am I going to support them? How am I going to be able to know exactly what to do to keep them safe? Because it's not just about me. It's about, you know, potentially working with a client who's, you might have kids and things like that. So it was making sure that I knew everything that I needed to. So I sent over to Jonan, like the picture of the profile, pictures of the messages. I think I've still got the screenshots, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jonan forwarded, forwarded them on to Chase. And I got this awesome breakdown of like what I should do. And literally within, I think it was like three or four messages, all of a sudden this guy didn't, wasn't interested anymore. And I didn't have to be confrontational. I didn't have to be rude. Um, it was just all very nicely done. It just diffused just beautifully. Nice. And <laughs> it was like, wow, okay, if it's that simple, um, you know, to actually use and tailor it to someone, I need to know this. And that's how I ended up on the behavioral profiling course, partnered up with Chase because it was just, yeah, such an awesome opportunity to be able to use this information. So I think it's something like $30 million worth of Three zero, yeah. Yeah, thir yeah, $30 million worth of research, like, you know, to train yeah. military operatives in life or death situations. And we get to use this to help women date safely and successfully. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And then, yeah, yeah. the rest was history. <laughs> so a, a couple of things off the back of that. Uh, one, which is a massive question, because wasn't there a saying like, like how, how do friends become lovers or... Friends can be lovers, but lovers can't be friends or something. So I want to get back to how do people go from, like, how do you make the step of going, look, we've been friends forever, but actually I want more. And how do you deal with that? 
And the other thing that came up for me was because you found a stalker, do you think people put too, like from doing profiling, like I, I know from what, looking at people's um, Facebooks and everything, like you, I go, I could find your house. Like I would not, like people put so much information on there without even knowing. Like even in the country that I live in now, like I, I know police officers that I say to them, like I could find your house. And we don't really live in a country where that's a good thing to yeah. happen. So, first of all, how do friends, how do people, like, have you advice for people that want to make that shift? I think one thing that was, like, really profound with us was we actually said to each other that we really valued our connection and, you know, what we had as friends. Yeah. So we kind of made that agreement, like no matter what happens, we kind of still want to be in each other's lives and we want to um, prioritise each other and prioritise, you know, what we have. And yeah. I think that's, I think both with both of us, both of us wanting that and prioritising that, I think it made it easy yeah. for the relationship to, to do, develop, yeah, build that trust. And the, <laughs> the framework around that is the communication standards to be able to have a conversation like that yeah um which is is all around honesty right it's on honest it's vulnerable it's you know you're kind of putting yourself on the line somewhat and getting over the fear of that enough to just say well look this conversation this relationship is a place where you can be a hundred percent honest with me you can be a hundred percent human and flawed and like just be real and i'm cool in fact i prefer that um, so there's zero judgment and 100% just honesty and just just show up and be yourself. So when you have that two ways, mm. then you can have the conversation that's, that says, well, look, you know, we've been friends for a long time. We get on awesomely and we fancy each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, you know, what, what are we yeah. messing about with? Yeah. And, and you can have that and just be up frank it was quite interesting actually because we actually got together um uh, during one of chase's courses and i just literally not just literally <laughs> during the course <laughs> that sounds good it was a popular course the room. <laughs> i had like um just learn a lot of these um elements you know being able to see the truth within someone within you know when they're talking to you are they actually being truthful um uh, you know seeing how to profile someone within six minutes or less and it was like really interesting when <laughs> Um, you know, using this and seeing what was in front of you after having those eyes. I mean, I've sort of, sort of mentioned I had very toxic relationships in the past. So my trust levels were absolutely crap. <laughs> and uh, when I could actually see that Jainam turned around to me and said that this was something that he really wanted. And you could see that it was real and it was true. There wasn't, it sort of took away the fear and the risk if that makes sense. So it's all, all of a sudden you can actually connect and feel safe to do so yeah. without, yeah, that risk or that fear anymore. Yeah, because ro romance is inherently, like just by definition, it's like we grow up reading or hearing about Romeo and Juliet and it's oh, this huge <laughs> infatuation thing. And it's all like freaking tragic. And it's, it's all based on lies and fantasies about each other. And like, that's just just not practical yeah. yet that's the lifeblood of the romantic dream that we're sold culturally and it just doesn't really work 
And so when instead, <laughs> to turn it to a more positive angle, <laughs> Just fucking give up. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so instead, when you get to that level where it's, it's based on, like Lily says, truth, it's not the me projecting my fantasies onto you. It's not me projecting my idealized things of what I want to see. It's, it's like not having the rose tinted glasses. And also, if you dip your glasses in crap, even the roses will look brown as a good. <laughs> friend of mine says <laughs> so it's, it's ditching the the filters and the preconceptions about people and just saying what's literally here right now and yeah. what can I do? and engage with that what's the truth yeah. in this person so you're not looking for red flags you're not looking for green flags you're just taking the person in and that's a just creates the baseline where you're building upon truth whether it's you know you know warts and all and from there, you can actually have something solid rather than it being, well, I think he means this. So I'm going to say what I think will get the best result <laughs> as a response to what I think he's yeah. thinking. I think what was really important there is both of you put it that you both knew you both were interested. Like, and you were able to sit and have an adult conversation and be like, well, look, we really like this connection. One of the things I would ask people in the past when they, when they would say about they really want to ask out their friend or whatever, I'd be like, could you have an adult conversation with your friend about how you feel in general? And they're like, no. Well, then fucking don't ask them out because if you aren't that connected, <laughs> then they might not be as interested as you are in them. They might yeah. see, like, people don't do what like you're saying. Like, look at the whole picture. They think, I think they like me because, especially in a wee town where, where I grew up, they like me because they're my friend. And you're like, that's not how, that's not how it works. Maybe they just yeah. are your friend. Um, so, I want to, there's a few things I want to come back to, but I want the bit about people putting too much online. Do you help with that as well? Do you explain to people like, well, I suppose whenever you're profiling, that's how we profile people in general. I don't do it the same way as you do, but like me and whenever I trained with Ben, he would send me pictures. And I got to the point where it was weird, where I would get screenshots of uh, female friends, tenders, and be like, what do you think of this guy? And I'm like, oh, he's handsome. What do you want me to say? But I'd have to say him back like, <laughs> I think whatever I think is my is my um on their opinion on whether they should date and most people don't listen to me anyway when it comes to dating because I'm single they're like well, what does he know I'll just do it anyway uh so he's help with that as well do you think that it is a problem like people put so much shit on social media and even on their tinder like you can look at a tinder and go I could walk to your house and be like hello yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, people, I, th I think people can be um, a little naive with their, with their profiles, but I think it, I think it boils down to something even more simple than that. And it's say, it's basically saying, okay, who are you interacting with? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you're looking at, a t you know, because we actually had, uh, Marty had Ben on, on the, the podcast as well, or the, sorry, the uh, interview as well. And uh, Ben's part of our team, he's freaking awesome. And he was actually training people how to profile dating profiles, because what can happen from this is you can gather so much information and you can say, okay, is that person safe? Is that person going to be someone who's going to be compatible with me? <laughs> Which again, is really, really important. Because if you're someone who likes to Netflix and chill, probably someone who's constantly at the gym and really athletic isn't going to be you know the right person for you in terms they're of they're going to want to do a different netflix you know. and chill yeah exactly 
<laughs> so yeah, it's kind of taking things to that kind of level. I mean, we before we actually took Ben on, we actually put him through a bit of a a, a test, didn't we? Yeah, I was curious. <laughs> Because I thought, well, <laughs> not in the sense of, of testing Ben, because I know he's great, he's but I, was awesome. like, I just want to give people proof of concept in this field of dating and relationships. Well, how can you do that? Because if you know, if you, you send over a picture and we say, no, nah, he's a douche, don't see him. So, okay, I won't see him. And you never find out. Yeah. Well, you don't find out how that could have turned out. So I thought, well, what I'll do, I will search serial killers <laughs> and uh, photos of them, like dating profile photos of serial killers, and ended up finding one that like a collection thing. So send these uh, send these photos across to Ben with no real backstory. It's like, hey, what do you think of this guy? And instantly he broke it all down. He's like, no, this thing, that thing, that thing. The name, the um, you know, the the clothing choice, and he dissected it and explained like pretty much exactly he's like right this guy has a predisposition to violence predisposition to drug abuse and is uh, is uh, attracted to or grooms minors and he it, it just it just looked at me said if he was going to commit a crime and there's this silence and then he goes pedophile he grooms children yeah and so this guy was a guy called michael rafferty who uh, if you google michael rafferty killer comes up and he literally did to the letter what Ben said okay this is what this guy's capable and highly likely to do and so well if the woman who was seeing him who you know yeah. stuck going to that situation if she had consulted with Ben or someone like Ben and listened to that advice <laughs> she'd have got information that from that dating profile that would have you know potentially saved her life yeah yeah, so I just enjoy the two things that people are going to Google <laughs> watching this interview. 36 love questions. <laughs> Crazy serial killer man, Ben Cardell. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Give, uh, give the FBI man something to think about. <laughs> one of the... So something that came up there is you talk a lot about safety of, like, dating. And it's hard for from a guy's perspective because we never think of like I've been stalked before but yeah. in my head they, they couldn't murder me because I'm like I have a samurai sword I'm like I'll be fine I'll shoot <laughs> be fine I'll be alright self-defense square she fell on it but from the other like from a woman's perspective being stalked at all even just the like text message and then they say they're not interested and then the drunk why are yeah. you not to like him? So, have you, whatever you work with, it's, I imagine it's not just a case of if I come to you and then I say, I want you to check out my Tinder and you tell me the crack. You obviously <laughs> teach this in some way, I pass it on. So, do you want to give a wee, how do you do that? Like, how does someone go from being someone on Tinder that dates assholes? Like, some of the guys I know are fucking brilliant. I hope they're watching this. They're brilliant at. <laughs> being exactly who they need to be until they get to have sex. I could not think of a word that, all the words that come into my head just sounded terrible. And then after they have sex, they're like, fuck it. But because the girl was dragged along and she's someone that doesn't sleep with someone on the first date or whatever fucking rule she has, 
because she fucked up her own rule, she stays yeah. with them until he just tells them to go away. So there's no point then coming to you every so often going, here, what's this guy like? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Have you created something that you can actually pass this on so people can learn about it or? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things, but yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first thing is, is you can tell a lot from photographs, but obviously the more data you get, mm. the more of an informed opinion that you can, you can arrive at. So, you know, if you meet with someone, they're giving you information the whole time. They're signed up, overused, the, the Sherlock Holmes quote, you know, you see, did you observe? Did you see and observe everything that was being shown to you? So as an example, and this is something that we teach, I'll, I'll describe the, the course we have in a second. But for example, you might have a friend who goes to a speed dating event or they meet a guy and it's like, well, he's, you know, he's, he's great. He said all the right things. He smiled all the right places. He wants to start a family too. And, you know, all, all these great things that are awesome that I really want. And he just seemed to be really honest and open about it. And I've just got a good feeling about him. Mm. So, okay. But when you add in that, the perception to say, right, when he, well, as soon as you started mentioning, you know, say family or having your own career and that being important to you, his blink rate sped up through the roof. That's a stress indicator. His lips compressed. When he smiled, it was a fake smile because it dropped off the face. His fingers retracted to the palms of his hand and he retracted his dominant shoulder and his dominant foot, right as you started talking about, uh, say, family holidays or how you know big your family is, things that are important to you. All of those things are data points that say, okay, his words were right and he was smiling in the right places, but like, the, all these things would point to him not being honest in those areas, although those are areas where he's saying one thing but actually feeling and thinking another. So it's taking the guesswork out of it and giving you the ability to see what's being presented and then make a, you know, make a decision or ask more questions that will give you what you need to know. It's making that informed decision. Yeah. I think that's the important bit. You know, by seeing the truth, you can actually, you, it gives you choices. And I think yeah. that's something yeah. that's really important. You know, it gives, it gives you the choice. Do you want to date a narcissistic partner or do you want to date someone who's actually capable of having a loving relationship yeah so there are two lines of there's a primary threat and there's a secondary threat when it comes to dating and the primary or the the initial threat is is this person dangerous or manipulative or narcissistic are they going to have a toxic impact on my life and then the late the secondary threat is well is this person a great person but just incompatible they're just not for me and we could waste each other's time so that initial one because that's such an important area like you, you need to be able to keep yourself safe yeah because at the moment i think the stats are one in three women and one in four men actually go through physically abusive relationships not just abusive but physically yeah which <laughs> crazy yeah. um so yeah safety's First, I think the most common type of relationships that tend to end up in, in, you know, physical abuse are narcissistic relationships. Yeah. So we put together with Chase Hughes, who we talk about a lot. He's awesome. Check him out. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, we put together the Identify and Disarm Narcissists and Manipulators course, 
which goes through explaining exactly what it is, because it's kind of a weird word and it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not been clearly explained enough in society. Yeah. So explaining I, I know it's just to cut you off there, just because you'd said it, uh, a lot of people get acute, like accuse people of being narcissists. And when you mm -hmm. say to them, all right, I don't know what a narcissist is. Go and explain that. And they go, oh, oh, you know, he's a wanker. Like, you know, like, well, that's not <laughs> the same fucking thing. Is... So have you a brief, like, description of for people that don't have a clue or are misplacing the word? Yeah. Yeah. So there are a bunch of criteria that you can add up and all of that. But the nutshell version is someone who is self-centered to the degree that they will have no empathy and concern for other people's well-being. So they will be self-centered, they may lie, they may manipulate, may be very good at manipulating. And overall, there's this lack of regard for the boundaries, for the well-being of the people around them. The people around them are supply sources for what they need. And as soon yeah. as someone outlives their usefulness, then they get discarded. Yeah, great example. Yeah, so hopefully that'll make more sense to people who, again, misuse the word um, quite often. What was the name of the course again? I just want you to say it again because it's so many words. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Identify and disarm narcissists and manipulators. So whenever you say disarm, and from my martial art brain is saying, right, disarm is good, but I want, if someone has something I have to disarm, I want to annihilate whatever's in front. So obviously you don't advise people to disarm the narcissist and then continue to date them, I would imagine. It's no, but it's good. kind of like being in those situations where, okay, as <laughs> you find that people who date narcissists, it tends to be a bit of a pattern. You tend to find that, okay, they'll go into that pattern of dating a narcissist, another narcissist, another narcissist. And it's about knowing how to identify them. But also, if you're someone who's got kids with a narcissist, you're not going to be able to shake that narcissist, narcissist off. So you're yeah. going to need to know how to at least deal with them in a way where you're not manipulated, where your child's not manipulated, and knowing what to do about it. And I think that's really important. Right. Yeah. Also, with narcissists, it's usually within the first meeting <laughs> or first couple of meetings, they will automatically try and control. And they'll use empathy. They'll use so many different elements straight off the bat. So if you know what you're dealing with straight off the bat, you know what to do. I think yeah. that's really important in terms of keeping safe. And you probably have, obviously you can't talk about anything specifically, but you're going to have a lot of examples of, people coming back to you and going, that stuff actually works. Like that stuff that you said to me the other day, I met a guy and then it turns out I shouldn't be dating this guy. Is there anything you can tell? Is there, does that come up much for you or? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few, I think there's um, been people who've been going through court cases who have actually gone through the course to help them navigate in the best possible way their divorces um there's been um another lady who actually had to literally uproot and move somewhere else because before you know this narcissist was chasing her and all sorts and she wanted to know how to keep safe what, what was the feedback we got from her like something she, on about tiny robbins yeah she was lovely <laughs> this is lovely. Like an awesome testimony <laughs> she said yeah, in that course, she says, like a ton of information. I got more from that than from the entire weekend 
with Tony Robbins. Like so this we is felt more pretty good about yeah, that. Like, <laughs> we, we gave Quite you more statement. money yeah. than Tony Robbins. That's we're, we're happy with yeah, that. Yeah, I think another lady as well. Um, uh, oh bless her, she she'd gone through a lot. Like she had been through a lot, and by going through the course. You know, even though she was in it, she was in a relationship, she was happy, but she went through the course because she had previous narcissistic relationship. And just by being able to see what had actually happened and to actually understand it gave her the, the ability to process it and heal it. Yeah. When That's we can start to understand it and realize, oh, it's, it wasn't us, <laughs> it wasn't me, <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It, it be, it, you're able to lift the, the blame and lift that horrible um I can't think of my freaking words you know just that horrible weight of yeah. that relationship and you can just let it go one of the most common tactics of a narcissistic or manipulative person is gaslighting mm. and gaslighting which is another jargony term but gaslighting <laughs> is making someone doubt and mistrust their own perception of reality yeah and even when you come out the other side of a situation like that, even when it's over, that shake and that faith in our own ability to say, hey, what's going on? Like that faith can be really undermined. Yeah. So going through the course and just, just informing ourselves enables you to look back and, and see where the gaslighting happened and see, okay, this was reality and I was picking it up or that's where I was duped. And it's like, giving that peace of mind to say well now I can trust my perceptions because mm. I've I've got this clarity now. One of the things I noticed with different relationship people that I worked with was they got tied up because the whoever was, who was ever was the narcissist in the situation whether it was the man or the woman they would say you're just feeling that because of your past your ex was really bad to you and now you're blaming me and you're like yeah but he punched you in the head and over it was my fault and you're like what the fuck so like I remember even being asked so what I like about you having a program about all this is that like I've been asked loads of times by friends in the past why do I always pick assholes and I'm like because you don't have a fucking clue you don't learn anything about people you don't read anything you don't do anything you just go in blind and one of the things you said earlier Lily was that about choice a lot of people seem to date and think they've no this is it there's no choice. Like this is who I date, and so that was good. There was two questions I had. One was, um, do you think that people create a pattern of going for narcissists because they have a lack of belief in themselves, or they think they can change someone, or like, what do you think it is that causes that? And so I don't forget. My second question is, do you think it's okay to date more than one person at a time? But first question first. I so, love these. Um. So narcissistic relationships, that tends to actually come from a pattern. So if you actually look back, this is most cases, I'd say 80% of cases. If you look back at your childhood and actually have a look at the people around you, uh, you might find there was a narcissistic person around you as you were growing up. And what we tend to do is we tend to gravitate towards um, people that are familiar. So if that's, if that's a familiar pattern and that's what you know, well, you're going to go for what you know. The other side of it, I'd say the other sort of 20% is, oh, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. It's almost like, well, if you're a sheep, 
and you're out there and there's a wolf well guess what the wolf is going to do what a wolf is going to do and you're just you just happen to be the sheep <laughs> yeah so again so, courses like yours are going to strengthen that that person so they can't yeah. become they grow out of being a sheep they don't become a wolf i don't know what the next they're not a sheep <laughs> but they're not a, a sheep dog because they can guide their sheep friends <laughs> into being strong people as well um, <laughs> Spartan ninja sheep. A Spartan yeah. ninja sheep. Spartan well, yeah, ninja sheep. But like, it's, it's like a sheep with just a load of wool because if you think about it, like, you know, can't get eaten by the wolf then. I don't know. I'm being too technical. My other question of... I, I remember watching... Uh, Tim Ferriss did, like, we quick 10 minutes or 20 minutes segues of, like, trying to be different things and one of the things he did was about dating and mm -hmm. he he went to LA and he did all this stuff he worked with Neil Strauss you probably have heard of him he's the guy that wrote the game which we should yeah. talk about at some stage as well but he ended up getting three dates three like a profiler got him a date Neil got him a date and some like high-end like matchmaker got him a date and they were saying about how they, you should date more than one person at a time and if you could you could date them all at the one place so that, so then you get to know them and find out who's compatible so you don't waste three months dating this person find out it's not going to work and so on and so forth hyper productivity <laughs> yeah well which is what he's his whole tim ferris's whole game is about but where i come from you'd be shot for dating two people at the one time even just madness but what, what is your take on bearing in mind that your past is kind of multiple dating with a guy who is minding the seat on the bus so <laughs> I, I think with with dating multiple people i think as long as there's no exclusivity if you've talked about being yeah. exclusive i think then you know you you stick with that you be truthful with, with that also it's it's down to the reason of why you're dating multiple people. Are you dating multiple people for the sake of it? Or are you actually, or are you actually thinking, okay, well, both of these people have got these great qualities and I can see myself being with them. I just don't know which one yet. That's different. If you're just yeah. dating for the sake of it, you don't waste your time and energy. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. It's a case of all going back to that theme of, honest communication if you have honest communication and clear expectations and and boundaries with each other and all that that the clear honesty then it's like you're, you're adults going through life trying to figure something out and if you have a great connection with someone and you want to pursue it further and then discuss exclusivity then awesome it's where deception comes in and also like lily said the motive is it a form of escapism is it that you were stung and burned in the past and you don't want to commit to someone because you're scared, which is fine, but it's like acknowledge it for what it is and, and then you can heal it because that's your responsibility as a person, right? It's all of our responsibility yeah. to heal. So it's what, where are we coming from? Are we coming from fear and pain and trauma or are we coming from love and adventure and exploration and honesty, most yeah. important? I think so that, I think that makes a difference. I just cut you off there but i think that like you talked about communication honest communication a lot of people just imply things or infer things like they assume because i'm we're on our first ever date ever 
that you will not date anybody until we decide not to date without saying I would prefer we only date each other and if you like if you're in a situation where you wouldn't like them dating somebody else then you should tell them that I think it's important to tell all that so everybody knows where everybody is and no one can mess anything up uh so since I'm talking about double date double dating would that be it no that's a different term that's when two couples <laughs> yeah. date together no. uh multiple dating that's what it was um do you think that like with the apps like tinder and bumble and everything because I've asked people in the past, but sure, you've, you're dating people and, oh, it doesn't count because I haven't actually met them yet. And you're like, well, what, what's the difference? So do you think now people's whole mindset on dating and, and connection is getting messed up by, like we're coming sort of full circle now to back to swiping again? Is it this way? I, I, Depends if you like the person or not. <laughs> yes. uh, I think, yeah, I think it's like, I don't think it's just because of like online dating. I think it's just the way that everything's gone in terms of like online communication, where things have just become quite almost like superficial, less deep. Um, you know, you, with messaging, I think in the NLP world, like, you know, words are 7% of um, communication. So you're not getting that deep connection straight off. You know, you're just getting that from words. And it's like, how can you build and form a real connection or yeah. say that you're dating that person when actually when you, you know, you, you logically break it down, you're sending a couple of words to someone. You're not sharing a moment with someone. You're not, yeah. you know, touching and feeling someone, you know, it's, it's not that real, you know, 360 degree experience that you're going through with that person it's just a few words and because um you know it's only seven percent of communication with those words it can be misinterpreted and you can also you know read it in a way that's not actually the way the person meant that message yeah so if you've got that if you're prone to the kind of like the rose tinted glasses or prone to be looking at the red flags then you're going to be into interpreting that message in very very different ways so automatically yeah. you haven't got a full connection with that with that person plus how many guys if we're honest with ourselves have All said I, I love you <laughs> in order to get their leg over oh, that's what gonna say. That's why i knew what you're gonna say Oh, um, <laughs> everyone, yeah. Like, you know, maybe you were 17 or 18, but like, I think everyone has done it if we're honest with ourselves. And it's, and that's where the communication, because it's like, well, it gets interpreted. Like, it's, I'm not responsible for how she interprets that, is the internal dialogue of the guy. It's like, well, I do, and I love, you know, Cheryl, and I love Daddy, <laughs> and I love <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and pizza, and chocolate bars, and I love my yeah. dog. Right? And, and so by having that standard where look specifically clearly what are our understandings and expectations from this and are we on the same page and that sounds like a kind of clinical conversation but it saves so much freaking stress and yeah issues it's totally worth it plus whenever you're texting if me and you're talking by a text and you ask me a question the first thing I type, I will most likely delete. Yeah. And then yeah. reword it. Yeah. Go, yeah, that sounds much better. Filters. Like, like, so instead, where if it was in real life and you asked me, I would just blurt it out. 
And then I'm like, fuck, I can actually... And I can turn to my mate and go, here, she said this, what? What should I say now? How do, what do I do now? Like, I've had it, mates screenshotting messages to me and going, how would you respond to this? And I'm like, fuck's sake. What do you, and I would, I, I would ask, this is terrible. What is your intention to date her or to get laid? I just want to get laid, then say this. I want to date her, then say this. It's mental, like... Yeah. And yeah. that's, like... But people take it, like you said, at complete uh, face value. Uh, since you put it so politely, getting your leg over, that was very... <laughs> Do you do you think that people put sex on a massive pedestal that it's like like I said earlier about people who have like I don't have sex before date three and date three could be three months away or it could be we had a coffee, then we had dinner and then the next day we went for a walk, so I banged them that evening and you're like Well, because you told them three dates, you I don't have sex for three dates, well I'll just throw them all into one day. Do you think that sex is on a pedestal and people are fucked up with it? No, I think I think with sex, I think most people numb. Like you know, it's like um, some people binge eat chocolate, some people binge Netflix. I think some people just binge sex. I think if you've genuinely got a good connection with someone and you've got that good understanding, it doesn't really matter if you have sex on the first freaking date. It doesn't matter if you have sex on the twentieth date. It's about what you're comfortable with, what your partner's yeah. comfortable with. You know, at the end of the day if you're an adult you can make adult decisions <laughs> do you know what the repercussions you of hope. those decisions are going to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like it's why, like we live in a country where sex isn't really taught it might be a wee bit better in school now but it's still it was so um not talked about that whenever people eventually did it they didn't know what the fuck to do they didn't know protection they don't anything <laughs> so then it becomes a whole scene and i think that i always thought before i moved out of this country i lived in london for a while I always thought it was just this country that, but when I moved away and got to my world opened up and I got to chat to people from all over the world, I was like, no, it's everywhere. Like people, yeah. people don't know how to approach any of this. They don't know what it's like. There's rules that, like, people don't like. No one gets it at all. But I love the idea of you should be adult enough and understand yourself enough that if you want to do it on the first date, fine. If you don't want to do it ever, then don't do it. Which yeah. sort of now brings me to I told you I had coined a phrase. I might not have coined it, okay. but it exists. Um, convenient dietitis. Have you ever heard of convenient dietitis? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I coined it. So. For, refer back to you. <laughs> <laughs> convenient dietitis is when you just date people who are convenient to date. Like you work in a bar and you just date. The barmaid or you work in a shop and you work and you date the other shop person or you work wherever i find that a lot of people's relationships fail because of convenient dietitis they started dating because that was the only female around or the only male around so i'm just really happy now that no one else has heard of it and i've coined it <laughs> yeah when when the pickup line could be translated to you'll do yeah i miss I. <laughs> yeah i think like i think even women like you know do that a lot you know yeah. when they've had like breakups and things like that i'm gonna cringe saying this now but like um it's almost like okay who am i who are my male friends am i being too picky if i friend zone people not that i did that with you it's fine 
That's true. You, you tip out the apple barrel, and, you and it's see like, okay, what, what's about? Okay, what could I think I could make work? Can I can I sleep with him? Do I have to have my eyes closed? I don't know. You know, it's kind of like having a look at. You know, it, it's almost like people change tact for the sake for the sake of changing tact because whatever yeah. they've done before hasn't used in the past. It's like, okay, what can I do differently? You just do it for the sake of it. You think of those weird arbitrary dating rules you know like the the three date rule or five mm. date rule or whatever they are <laughs> when we think about where they're stemming from it's it stems from a fear of judgment right it's a fear of doing the wrong thing of being frowned upon of either other people looking at us in an unfavorable light or us looking at ourselves in an unfavorable light so there's this air of judgment and you know there's constriction there and it's like i can't be authentic for fear of being judged right so having that frame that we keep banging on about where it's like look you're safe mm. to be honest and open and just communicate what you do want what you don't want and a hell yes is fine and a hell no is fine or yeah. a not yet is perfectly fine but all this kind of oh yeah read between the lines stuff if you can do it fine but most people can't without training so the the fallback has to be that ability to be honest with yourself first and foremost, mm. rather than doing all this, like, oh, I'll, I'll drop lots of hints so yeah. that the guy seduces <laughs> me and then, oh, the, yeah. you know, the, the seductive hypnotist made me do it. It's like, <laughs> not was that your stage name before all this? Sorry? Was that your stage name before you did all this? The seductive hypnotist? <laughs> <laughs> the seductive hypnotist. That was a whole other podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's having that fallback of just direct communication with yourself, where you're happy to admit to yourself what you do and don't want. And you can own it and you can express it. And that takes maturity, mental and emotional maturity. I think, yeah, just to, you know, roll on top of that as well. It's It's like... It's having your own standards and knowing what you're happy with and what you actually want because I think a lot of people they just assume that a relationship happens and it's not like that at all it's like okay you know what is it that you actually want what to you is a healthy relationship what does that actually look like to you what's important to you in that person what do you want them to prioritize what's the values and beliefs what's the overall goal for them is it in line with you and then when you can actually establish those things within that person, you know that you found something that you actually want. And I think people tend to go in blind. And I always yeah. refer it to the, uh, the shopping list. You know, if you go shopping and you're really hungry, you know, you haven't eaten for freaking months and it's like, okay, let's go into the supermarket. Don't have a list. I'm just going to go on for a binge. You know, you can yeah. always guarantee that you're going to have a load of crap in your shopping, you know, in your shopping trolley that you don't want. You <laughs> there might be a few good things in there that you do yeah. want but you're gonna have stuff missing on there in order to actually make a real decent meal yeah <laughs> decent relationship i, I like that there's a metaphor that where i'm like a vegetable <laughs> in a, in a, you, you place like yourself some, as some, a vegetable some, i'm just saying cabbage, cabbage in a basket <laughs> weird that you just, went with cabbage i thought you would have went with like cucumber or something that was and that be useful in the old days. Respectful, but <laughs> <laughs> I like that you've got a shopping metaphor because whenever whenever I used to work in the pubs and stuff, and the girls would chat to me and they'd be like, "Where where'd all the like?" Especially when they came in out of town, they'd be like, 
whereabouts do the good men be you know and I'd be like have you ever got drunk and went to Asda and bought a toaster and they're like why would you do that and I'm like I don't fucking know but you're going to get drunk and try to find the man of your dreams that makes no sense to me so I just like that we all have wee shopping metaphors uh, built in amongst all this you're a hypnotist so you'll like this I think I love the idea that you can't make people do things against their will assuming they have one yeah. problem is most people don't have a will when yeah. you think we, we have willpower but a will as a as a statement of intent of this is what i want these mm. are the non-negotiable must-haves and these are the non-negotiable must-not-haves and most yeah. people don't have that in hardly any area of life if at all so you're just kind of drifting aimless rudderless in this sea of causality and then wondering why you're not ending up on a freaking paradise island so, yeah well, you've so, so yeah. having the idea, not just some weird arbitrary list of, oh, must be, <laughs> you know, must be this height and have this kind of uh, hairstyle. Yeah. And... Super, you know, if you're looking for something superficial, yeah. then guess what? You're gonna Practical get Magic, the movie. I can't watch the movie. <laughs> magic. magic. Practical magic. magic, the movie with Sandra Bullock. She like ripped this crazy list about wanting a star and it's all this oh, madness. And... I love that movie. Lo- the is that I can't watch anything like remotely romantic anymore because i get because you're living it avoid, avoid, yeah yeah because i'm living because <laughs> i get the voiceover of oh wow, that's ridiculous why did she do that <laughs> if yeah. she just told him I was like, okay. <laughs> but that's it just would have saved half the movie 20 minutes would have been done here this is what i want right cool i'm Not scared all this actually introduced him to pretty woman because that's one of my favorites it's richard gear though so you know it might be all right <laughs> and he cheated by buying a woman so he didn't really date her he just hired her well even worse than even buyer he hired her you're mine for a week or whatever yeah. but yeah it's it, it's not you know i think this is the thing isn't it it's like all these romantic movies this is a whole other conversation but it's unrealistic expectations you know, you think yeah. of like even the Disney films as kids growing up, there's this perception of what love should be and how you should meet someone. And yeah. You have to be in a tire waiting. Oh. I don't need a wait. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> Get out of my own tire. <laughs> uh, I don't want to keep these too long. So, uh, what a question that I want to have a couple of questions that, and then I'll round up unless you wanted to stay here forever, which I could because I'm quite enjoying the conversation. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> what what advice would you give someone who is starting to date, especially in this climate where we can't meet people? So now we're it is weird because like especially over here at the minute we're back in lockdown, so you can't go and meet anyone. So would you advise doing? Because we can't do zooms. I don't know why the fuck people don't just do a zoom where you get to see people and stuff and make it more real. It will, and most of the time they'll just be sitting like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, what advice would you give to people trying to date now or the main field yeah. of dating that is now? Yeah, I'd say before you actually do, uh, you know, before you actually get onto an app or, you know, start looking for your potential partner and know what you're looking for. I think that is where so many people go wrong. You know, what how do they important? do that? How do they start? Yeah. Like, what's, how do they? I mean, we have got a free guide on our website to, that sort of talks people through this. 
but I'd say have a look at your own values you know what's really important within a person you know in terms of are they loyal are they honest what do they prioritize in their life do they prioritize family do they prioritize travel do they prioritize their job what do they prioritize because if you both prioritize similar things it makes things a lot easier um also lifestyle you know what sort of lifestyle do you have i mean we're both self-employed and that works really well for us you know in terms of being able to understand each other's routines understand each other's commitments that's really important another one is also goals what's your overall goal in life in terms of your own personal goals but also your goals for the relationship as well because if you've got one person going, oh, I want to live in, I don't know, uh, Singapore, and the other person's like, well, no, I, I love my family, I love being close and being 10 minutes away from my mum, you know, that's not going to work. There's going to be this divide, there's going to be this resentment of, you know, neither person being able to get what they want. So I think those are kind of like the segments that I'd say would be really important to look at. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, if we say values, belief, and lifestyle. So values are the rules that you... If life had a rule book, what are your rules for life? And how similar <laughs> does their rule book have to be to yours? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, beliefs are the, the things that you have an opinion on and you know about it. So if, if you're, you know, say a, a strict Tory and you couldn't possibly stand to be with someone who's on the, on the left, then that's worth knowing, you know, <laughs> yeah. or the, those types of things. So the beliefs, the, the things that we hold as important, and we know that we hold it important. And the lifestyle, like Lily said, yeah. knowing those ahead of time is a time saver for sure. And it helps you find the right kind of person because they'll stand out more readily. Yeah. yeah. I think just to cut you off, I think everyone, even if you have no intention of ever dating ever in your life, should download whatever, I'll put a link to it if you send me a link because awesome. most people I come across, if I say to them, like, who are you in your life? Like, what are your values? When they come, like, when I work with anxiety and, and depression and stuff, I would say, right, we get rid of your anxiety. Then what happens? Who do you be? What are you doing? They're like, I don't, I just, what? Like, what are your values? <laughs> so I think everyone listening should just download that because if you don't know your own, even if, like, knowing your own values and all of what you just said for yourself, even before you do anything else, is massively important. So sorry to cut you off, but I just thought that was important to throw out there. Uh, no, it's, it's so true. It's so true because the funny thing is, again, it's like, you know, you know where you stand within yourself, you know what's important to you. But I think by knowing what you need in a relationship to feel happy, I said it stands out. It's like if you suddenly focus on the color blue, go, you know, pick blue because I can see loads of it on the screen. And then I said, okay, you know, when, uh, you know, close your eyes and then tell me what's red you know you won't be able to tell me because you're too busy focusing on the blue and i think if you know what you're looking for like you said it's just going to stand out and make your dating life so much easier cool uh a question i love asking people just for my own curiosity if you had a superpower what would it be oh <laughs> <sighs> I think that's a struggle. So I, I'd, I'd say something on the lines of like being invisible because I'd love really? to sort of, yeah. Huh. <laughs> because you would love to what? That's, see, if you if that was a meal saying invisible, everyone goes, oh, I, of course. Because of one set, we're like, uh, right? Ghosts. No. 
Yeah, why? Why do you want to be invisible? What do you want to do while invisible? That's the... What would I like to do with yeah. being invisible? I just I'd sort of like have curiosity of like how certain people act behind closed doors and things like that. It's a voyeurism. <laughs> <laughs> just, make, just make it weird. <laughs> That's cool. As soon as you said oh, invisible, I... it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was going to be my superpower. No, mine's probably mind control. Mind control. Oh, that is a good one. I like that. My words you kind of have that already. Being no, I don't like that. I'm glad you don't have that superpower. <laughs> She hasn't figured it out. These <laughs> 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 embedded commands. <laughs> I, it's funny. I asked that question. I asked it to all my clients. I asked it to everybody because I, I feel it's probably a question you've never been asked before. But if you think about, if you go away and think about it, you can break down what the superpower meant and how that connects to your actual personality, and you'll go, "Fuck no wonder I chose it. That's crazy." How, and it it's always happens and. When a client, if I can't get through to a client, I ask them stuff. I'll just, I'll act like I, I'm lost and I'll say something like, fuck, you won't answer anything. If you had a superpower, what, what, would, what would your superpower, because they know, like, can't yeah. tell I love superheroes. <laughs> and I'm like, if you had a superpower, what, as if I don't really care, what, what would it be? And then they'll say, I'd love to be able to fly. And I'm like, fly fast or just fly in your normal walking speed. And then they go, well fast obviously and I'm like oh she'd like to be able to get away from things really quick yeah and then they're open and then you can just get in so it's a fun <laughs> question to ask people um, cool. nice. I think that's all I can I just I would just end up going on forever so I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop asking questions where can everyone find you and just so they all know what we're just your names your websites everything and in case people can't pronounce your name how would they like pronounce your names because sometimes <laughs> names are hard for people. <laughs> so my name's Jonam Ross and it's kind of an unusual name. So an easy way to remember it is that it's like Jonah, like Jonah and the whale. But I'm more delicious. So there's an mmm at the end. <laughs> I just love that you said it again with a straight face. Um, <laughs> I've said that too many times. I just imagine you at a networking event. I am Jonam with a mmm. <laughs> I am delicious. Well, see, the thing is, I, like, I spend my entire adult and childhood life introducing myself to people, and they're like, <clears throat> what? And so I was like, well, I had to come up with some. <laughs> I'm facing this problem every time I meet another human. So, yeah, that's the solution, and it works <laughs> wonderfully. So, wait, wait, uh, I just did that because for people who weren't here, at the start, before I started recording, which is everybody, uh, we had this conversation and I really wanted to get him to say it on, on the podcast. Uh, so where do people find you? What's the best way to approach you? If they want to find out more, if they want to learn about dating, uh, all of this. Yeah, so we're on um, www.lovewithintelligence.com and we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and also Instagram as well. Yep, cool. So Lily Walford and Jen Ross at www.lovewithintelligence.com. <laughs> I'll link everything below uh, so it's easy for everyone to find. Guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for jumping yeah. on board. And I hopefully will speak to you all again soon. For everyone who's watching or listening, thanks again. If you have any questions, reach out to any of the three of us. We're all open for questions and very approachable. Uh, you might get different descriptions of our names who knows 
so have an amazing day whatever you get up to and i'll chat to you again soon mm -hmm.